The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. have you uh, we are proud to have you we are happy to have you and by golly we're just happy that you're here uh, i am johnny townsend i am joined by the host with the most the peanut to my butter <laughs> mr christopher chavez the ham to your burger <laughs> the hot to my dog christopher chavez <laughs> what's up dude how you doing the pan to my cake <laughs> Oh man, the oopsie to your daisy. That's right. <laughs> the dandy to my lion. It's oh, Christopher Chavez. Yes, yes, yes. What's up, man? What's up? Nothing much, nothing much. Uh just sitting here enjoying this beautifully frigid cold winter weather. Are you guys I'm sure getting cold? Oh yeah, it's really cold down here. Well, for us, like we're getting temperatures in the teens and stuff like that, which is cold for us. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, not fun, not fun. Uh we're here. We're, we're looking at in the twenties here, uh, and this morning the real feel was ten. Nice. So that was uh, nice. A little nipply. A little bit, yeah. You're the nip to my Lee. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, but yeah, this we're is, here, that's odd, sir. That this is very odd. <laughs> we are Chris. extremely odd. <laughs> it's so odd. You're the you're the odd to my vats. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough of that, enough of that. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, I say, uh, Chris, before we really get into the meat and potatoes yeah. uh, of this episode, something popped up that you told me about, and I actually had a couple other friends send this to me, too. Apparently, I've become the Bigfoot guy. I <laughs> uh, wasn't aware of it. It's fine. I mean, I find this stuff fascinating, so please send it along. And uh, what what is it exactly that you sent me, Chris? It's very fascinating. Yeah, it's funny. Whenever anything Bigfoot comes up, the first thing I think is I got to send this to Johnny. And then the second <laughs> yes. thing I normally think too is actually we have a creeper who's a big Bigfoot connoisseur, a big Bigfoot connoisseur, uh, Katie, who yes. is constantly yeah. posting things. So anytime I see it, I'm like, I wonder if she saw that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so according, I'm, I'm getting this off of kslnewsradio.com from the Associated Press, Oklahoma City. A mythical ape-like creature that has captured the imagination of adventurers for decades has now become the target of a state lawmaker in Oklahoma. A Republican House member has introduced a bill that would create a Bigfoot hunting season. Yes, Representative Justin Humphrey's district includes the heavily forested, I uh, hope I'm not going to kill this, uh, Awachita, Awachita Mountains in southeast Oklahoma. You're the owl to my cheetah. <laughs> where a Bigfoot, you're the big to my foot, where a Bigfoot <laughs> festival is held each year near the Arkansas border. He says issuing a state hunting license and tag could help boost tourism. And this is what he says, quote, 
Oh, establishing an actual hunting season and issuing licenses for people who want to hunt Bigfoot will just draw more people to our already beautiful part of the state, Humphrey said in a statement. We got to get this guy on on the <laughs> interview. <laughs> we'll bring him on abnormal times. Yeah. Uh, Humphrey says his bill would only allow trapping and that he also hopes to secure $25,000 to be offered as a bounty. Micah Holmes, a spokesman for the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation, which oversees hunting in Oklahoma, told television station KOCO, uh, also known as COCO, that the agency uses science-driven research and doesn't recognize Bigfoot. So I have a couple of things that I want to bring up with Man. this first. All right. I get the idea behind doing this as a tourism thing because people are go- tell me you would not apply for a Bigfoot hunting license. Twenty five bucks. I official. It's official. You could pull it out anytime. Like I've got an official Bigfoot hunting license in Oklahoma. I think just to have the license. Yes, but I wouldn't actually want to go shoot one, no. if you know what I mean. Yeah. That's what brings up my next question. Uh, hunting is typically, you know, reserved for four-legged animals. Winged, yes. winged animals. And if it is a two-legged animal, something that could be biped, it's usually of the size of a bear, right? And I don't know that there are bears that you can hunt in our country. But what does this mean that if somebody really buys it and, like, is a hardcore Sasquatch hunter, right, now there's a $25,000 reward out there. What are the chances that he sees something in the distance on two legs walking around? He's just going to take a shot. <laughs> it's going to be another Cheney incident, right? Good Lord. <laughs> is this the smartest part. thing to, to yeah. ask for? It's another Dick Cheney going on. We're going to have a bunch of Dick Cheneys out there just shooting people. Oh, left good Lord. I think that's yeah. why he said, you know, to, to be fair, he wants to make sure it's only allowing trapping. But... Still, you're going to get your leg caught in a Bigfoot trap. <laughs> I know there are some areas that have actually protected Bigfoot. Like, he's actually a protected animal, I believe. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this is the complete opposite of that, obviously. <laughs> uh, this, is, this, is, this is pretty wild. You know, like, Bigfoot technically has not been proven to exist. So it's definitely up in the air if he does or not. And I don't know why he'd be in Oklahoma, but... You know, uh, but also this is where science gets weird, right? Like uh, science is like, well, we want we want these uh, if these creatures are real, we want to preserve them because there can't be that many of them. Right. But also we won't believe it unless you bring us a dead body <laughs> to, to dissect and, <sighs> and uh, check everything out. So I, I don't know. Uh, man, this, you know, this just reminds me of Harry and the Hendersons, you know. Uh, they sent Harry back out in the woods. What if he's getting hunted in Oklahoma now? Right, and he's been domesticated, man. He doesn't know yeah. how to. He doesn't know how to take care of himself. It's yeah. not sitting well with a lot of uh, uh, of Bigfoot enthusiasts. Actually, I saw another article. I said I saw said that you know people are a little upset by this. That there's this bounty put yeah. on this guy's head or on this creature's head. Uh, but even even just they brought up the fact that I said you know uh, the idea that. You know, you can have hunters, you know, shooting and doing things a little bit more haphazardly, thinking that they're going after big Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah, very much so. It's just, I, I'm with you. Like, I understand wanting to bring more people to your area for you know for tourism and stuff. Get it, a hundred percent. I mean, plenty of areas have really taken advantage of uh, you know cryptozoology type things that have. Uh, claimed to have been seen in their areas. I mean, you know, the Mothman and, and West Virginia, definitely they take, you know, 
but they definitely take advantage of it. I do not blame any town for doing that at all. Uh, in fact, I think it's kind of cool, and I would love to visit those museums and stuff. Like, it just sounds fun. But, uh, you know, this is... This is where this gets weird to me because literally they're saying, "Hey, go uh, go hunt these things, <laughs> you know, go hunt them." But 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 technically, wouldn't they be? Because if if Bigfoot is real, I think we all agree that there's not a lot of them. Right. And if, and if there's not a lot of them, uh, you know, I think catching any of them would be uh, hopefully alive. I would hope, but it's still kind of a weird, strange thing. It's you know, it's the, kind of the same as. When we see these uh, really rich people going to Africa and hunting animals there, like it's really kind of gross. Yeah, because you know they're not doing it for anything besides the trophy, right? And that's what's gross to me. Uh, and I think I kind of feel this would be the same way in a exactly. way. Exactly. Unfortunately, exactly. Because think about it. Number one, you'd be the guy that would become famous as the yeah. first human ever to bag a Bigfoot, right? The second right. thing is, is you would want. I mean, that's kind of i mean I, I can't see the person going out there that's hu- a hunter that's capturing it alive for for studying and scientific reasons as well you know but even that side of it kind of makes me feel gross because then it kind of reminds me of et right like when yeah like and and as far back as when i'm i was a kid you know i knew that was not cool to take these creatures just for scientific purposes so right yeah uh it's interesting i think it, i think it is kind of a a, a fun idea to be able to have that i think it, it should be kind of um you know this little asterisk that says that you in, in all honesty, you really can't hunt this thing, right? But yes. you have an official license. Should yeah. should it become a, a, I don't know, a threat to humankind? Yes. <laughs> oh God! No, use so, a yeah. trank. You know, use a tranquilizer. Yes, some. But yeah, that's uh, that was one of the things I noticed that was actually making news. Uh, oh, and I think it was making news mostly because it was actual legislature that was being yes. entered into yeah. the state. So yeah. you know, I was one of the things I saw recently was that there's a lot of states around the country that are looking at their old laws and their old books to kind of clear out some of these like really archaic laws. And here we are, we have Oklahoma add Oklahoma adding ones that are just yes. completely nonsense. <laughs> Wasn't that one of the funnest things to do? Like when I was a kid, was to find these books that would have these weird laws in them. I oh, love those yeah. things. Heck yeah! I think those we should do so an episode. Fun. We should do a whole episode yeah. of that's uh, just on the, the. I mean, I know we did cover one where we did some weird laws, but we have to revisit that for sure. Yeah, I think so too. Agreed, agreed completely. All right, so Chris, I yes. think it's time. Let's get into the world of Lanzad, and we've each brought a story today to tell. I'm very excited about this. Uh, I'll go first. I kind of think mine will be shorter than yours. Sure. And I'm very excited to hear yours. And I think, Chris, if you haven't heard the guy I'm about to talk about, then <laughs> have I got a bridge to sell you? <laughs> Talking about George C. Parker. Yeah. Uh, this is a name I guarantee you have heard before. Parker Brothers. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, many of board games that he bring to the mainland. And that's so, it. Yeah, yeah. All right, Chris, what you got? <laughs> uh, he is always featured when it comes to people talking about con men and stuff like that. And he is literally the reason why people even say that whole sentence of, well, if you believe that, then I got a bridge to sell you. Because this dude... Uh, sold bridges that he didn't own that's what he would say <laughs> let me ask you something before you get into it do you look at the con man in history right the idea uh-huh. of the con man do you look at this in the robin hood sense in terms of you know the man that that was a, a person who's able to get 
over on the government or get over on the banks or, or you know what I mean? Or do you yeah. look at them as like the villainous type of guy, like the, the predatory type of person? Or like the amp, which is evil incarnate. Um, <laughs> I, uh, and obviously not for the little guy, as they claim. Uh, one of the jokes I heard about that app was they should, really should change their name to the Sheriff of Nottingham. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I cannot claim that joke. I heard that somewhere, and I wish I could remember. But uh, the um, it's kind of... All right. F- on the outside looking in, it's kind of whimsical, especially these old ones. But if you really think about it, they probably ruined some lives, you know? Oh, yeah. Financially, they definitely ruined some lives. So it's kind of hard to look at it in a happy way. And most of these did it for their own self-gain, right? They weren't going around giving this money they made to the poor. They were, they were you know, just getting rich off of it. Yeah, 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 true. So uh, I think most of them are kind of gross. <laughs> uh, but that's just my opinion. A real, okay. if, there's, if there's a real Robin Hood, then I'm all for it. Like, I 100% understand that. But Yeah, yeah. All right, so George C. Parker was born on March 16th, 1860. What did he do? Well... He, and I'm putting this word in quotation marks, sold the Brooklyn Bridge, which is obviously a very famous bridge in Brooklyn, New York, uh, multiple times, not just once. (laughs) This happened many times. That's great. And we'll get into that here in a second. But he also famously sold these other things that he obviously did not own or have any part of. Uh, Madison Square Garden. (laughs) He sold it once. (laughs) When is he doing this real quick? Is this like the 1880s? 1890s well i mean he was born in 1860s so yeah i mean around in there he was always a comment his whole life basically i really want to know the kind of people that were duped by this you know what i mean man (laughs) we'll we'll kind of get into his method and how he would do it uh, and maybe we can kind of try to see it from that aspect but i mean he also sold the um the big museum of art there he also sold grant's tomb and of course uh, it wouldn't be a complete you know uh, a set without selling the Statue of Liberty, which he, of course, did. <laughs> Who in their right mind would think, I could buy a piece of the Statue of Liberty? That's what I'm talking about, man. Okay, <laughs> this is interesting. Yeah. Anyway, this is this is how he would do it. He would pose as people that were kind of related to the landmark in some way. Uh, for example, Grant's tomb. He would pose as Grant's grandson and say that, hey, if you want a piece of this, you know, I'm his grandson... Uh, I have all the necessary stuff here to do that. Would you like to buy a piece of this? And, you know, for the beginning entrepreneur, maybe this is a fun thing, you know, like I can get my name on these big landmarks. That's like somebody you know? saying, I, I, oh, I can actually get a, a, a share of GameStop stock. Yeah. Let me yeah. get in on that. <laughs> I mean, he would do that, you know. Uh, <laughs> and he would set up fake accounts and he would have paperwork that looked really proper but was obviously faked by him. And, uh, and I mean, he even, they said he even would actually sell, actually, this is in New York mostly, he would sell plays and, and stuff like that, you know, like on Broadway, he would sell those that he didn't own. I guess, you know, like if he was alive now, you know, he'd be trying to sell Hamilton or something, <laughs> you know? even though he obviously has nothing amazing. to do with it. Yeah. He's like, or I cats. own Microsoft. Do you want to buy Microsoft for yeah, me? <laughs> basically. All right. So no one actually knows the exact number of times he sold the Brooklyn Bridge, but it's estimated that it was like twice a week for decades. Oh my god! That's what say what he was selling is. it for. How anywhere much? between fifty dollars to fifty thousand dollars, anywhere between that range. 
the myth the myth behind him says and this cannot be verified because uh, he told tall tales as obviously but the myth behind behind Parker here says that it was two times a week for 30 years he would sell this bridge that is I don't even know I, I, I don't know I don't even know how that's possible well here's here's what he would do to even sell it even more he would say hey look at this if you buy the Brooklyn Bridge uh, you can put toll booths on the Brooklyn Bridge and make even more money right you're going to make your money back and then some, because you know you can just put toll booths wherever you want. <laughs> I, I want to be there the day like the dude's out there with his construction crews, like all right, they're they're doing their their measurements and all this stuff. It's, and the cops come by or the city comes by, it's like, what do you think you're doing? It's what funny you-, you say that because <laughs> <laughs> because apparently that did happen a time oh, or two. Oh, that's amazing. Where they would show up, the people who had quote unquote bought the Brooklyn Bridge were bought a piece of it, would show up and be like, hey. We want to put a toll booth over here. And uh, they would kind of start get started, and the police would show up and be like, hey, uh, what, are, what are you doing? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, here's what would happen after he uh, had convinced the, we'll call him the Mark, that's what the person's called, the Mark. The Mark would be taken to a quote-unquote official-looking office, giving this fake but really well-done-looking paperwork. And after they paid him, they never ever heard from him again like he just dropped off the face of the earth wow so after you give him your 50 grand to own a piece of the brooklyn bridge uh, he's he's gone he's out of there now was he doing this all in new york city or was he going around the country doing this i think it was mainly in new york city but he didn't my guess would be that he didn't stay in one place I mean, that wouldn't make sense, right? Because yeah. he's obviously always trying to stay ahead of the law this time. And, and back in those days, dude, it's not like nowadays where you can track people down quick. Like back right. in those days, you know, he could be in the same neighborhood as you, just hiding out, and you haven't seen him coming out with right. the, yeah. you know, mustaches. I mean, he would dress up and stuff too. Yeah, so so maybe he, that's another way he would try to hide is he would dress up. I want to see a movie on this guy's life. Yeah, you can find pictures of him. He's, he's kind of an interesting looking dude. <laughs> Uh, but uh, of course, he would uh, he would be convicted of fraud when he's finally caught three times. But one time, <laughs> once he escaped uh, custody, and this is how he did it: he calmly walked over and put on a sheriff's hat and a sheriff's coat and just walked out the building, and no one stopped him. <laughs> wow! So easy. Just so see you easy. later. Yeah. So the but the third time. Uh, he got a life sentence for all his fraud. He ended up going to the very famous Sing Sing prison. I think everybody's kind of heard of that. That's mm-hmm. where he ended up staying. It was kind of the later part of his life, too. I think he only lived, like, it was less than 10 years after that he lived. And he kind of died there. But uh, something tells me that he was kind of okay with it because he was sort of famous there in Sing Sing prison. They loved him there because he'd always tell all these stories. Like, he was a beloved figure in Sing Sing prison. <laughs> Of all things, which I kind of think that's really what he wanted. It seems like he come off as a guy who obviously loved to trick people, and make money off of them, but really loved the attention that the he could get from it. The notoriety, yeah, yeah, the notoriety. So, and he really took advantage of it. But that's the story of George C. Parker. And if you don't believe that, uh, then I got a Madison Square Garden I can sell you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, dude. Yeah, I really, man. I, I wish, I wish there was a lot more info on this because I want to know more stories. I want to know certain interactions. I want to know. Yeah. I want to know what happened on the other side of it. The people who did buy, like what? 
Is that something that you complain to to your you know your family about? Like you're not gonna believe what happened to me this year, you know, at at, <laughs> at, at, at Christmas dinner when everyone's yeah. together, or is that something like you just don't you're too embarrassed to talk about? <laughs> See, that's a good question. I think I'd be embarrassed, honestly. You're at you're at Christmas yeah. dinner, right? You're the guy that <laughs> fell for it, and your cousin's like, I heard about this guy that was going around town. You're like, mm. yeah. <laughs> Like in your area, be what? Like somebody's like, hey, you can buy the Niagara Falls or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We'll sell you Niagara Falls, right? Yeah. Like, oh, sure. Thanks. Oh, man. I could put a toll booth there. Man, that is, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I definitely want to, I would love to know more about that guy. Seriously. Interesting fella. I encourage you to look up pictures of him. Nice. Um, All righty. So, mine, we're going to World War II or. Just after a World War Two, so we know, you know, World War Two, one of the the last great wars, um, hor- horrible, right? Horrific. We all know about the Holocaust and and the persecution of the Jewish people. Now, I had known a little bit about this, but let me ask you: Were you aware that after the war, um, I know you're, I know you, you know, you know your history, Johnny. So I know you're aware in, in regards to uh, the Nazis. You know, a lot of the Nazis had been hunted and captured and brought to trial. Right, yes. Were you aware, though, that there were a lot of Jewish uh, folks who kind of took it upon themselves to hunt down Nazis? Um, This was apparently a really big thing. And what I'm going to tell you today is the story of the Jewish Avengers. Um, Now, there's all different kinds of articles on this. There's a a few books that have been written about this. uh, And there's actually a a documentary series called Nazi Hunters. came out in 2009. Yeah, I've heard of that series. Okay. And there's actually, it's episode, I believe it's episode seven or or eight. Um, It's called The Jewish Avengers, right? And so it discusses what I'm going to tell you about today. But it also discusses some other things. Like uh, there was a guy by the name of Herbert uh, Kukers. He was... uh, um, and I think he was Austrian, an Austrian, no, no, I'm sorry, a Latvian pilot. And he took part in a, a big part of the Holocaust and the extermination of Jews. And the, the, um, the Mossad, which is like the Jewish kind of, they're kind of like a CIA or like a, uh, that kind of, I think, I believe it's almost like a CIA kind of, uh, organization ended up hunting him down in South America and assassinated him. Well, yeah. but they would do that. They would hunt these people down, force them to confess for their crimes, and then just assassinate them and murder them. Now, isn't this kind of similar to? I've never seen the movie, but Inglorious Bastards. I got to be honest, gist. I don't know. I've never seen it either. Um, but I do know that that has to do with like Nazi hunting, right? I don't know yeah. if it was before yeah. or during the war uh, for that. Or I'm sorry, during or after the war in that movie. But this one I'm going to talk to you today is actually after the war. So, like I said, I did. You know, I, I read a bunch of articles. There was a documentary I planned on watching. My work is crazy. Uh, besides work and juggling, going to the doctor for an infected hangnail, which is the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> uh, I really didn't have a time, a chance to sit down and write out what I wanted to write out for it. So what I'm going to do is actually use an article off of AP News. So the title of this article is Jewish Avengers are unapologetic for targeting Nazis after World War II. This is written by Aaron Heller and Randy Hershka- uh, Hershaft. Yeah. Here we go. Let me tell let me tell you the story of the Jewish Avengers. 70 years after the most daring attempt of Jewish Holocaust survivors to seek revenge against their former tormentors, the leader of the plot has only one simple regret. That to his knowledge, he didn't actually succeed in killing any Nazis. 
So just to put this in perspective, this was written in 2016. So we're already looking at uh, in August 2016. So almost five years ago. Joseph Harmetz is one of the few remaining Jewish Avengers who carried out a mass poisoning of former SS men in an American prisoner of war camp in 1946. It sickened more than 2,200 Germans, but ultimately caused no known deaths. A recently declassified U.S. military report obtained by the Associated Press has only added to the mystery of why the brazen operation did not kill Nazis, because it shows the amount of arsenic used should have been fatal to tens of thousands. Still, this is 2016, the 91-year-old Harmetz says the message echoed into a rallying cry for the newborn state of Israel that the days when attacks on Jews went unanswered were over. Think about this, dude. He was 91 years old in 2016, and if he's still, he's still around, man, it's, it, it does kind of blow my mind that there are still survivors of the Holocaust, that, that, that horrific you know, moment in, our his, in world history that are around. Right. Yeah, I can't even imagine it. You know, it's just just hard to even fathom. Yeah. Uh, oh, and just to, just to let you know, he did pass. He actually ended up passing away a month before this article came out. So he, he oh, died okay. in September of 2016. Um, it says, uh, quote, this is what he said he's quoted as saying, we didn't want to come back without having done something, and that is why we were keen. He said in a hoarse, whispery voice from his apartment in North Tel Aviv, Despite a visceral desire for vengeance, most Holocaust survivors were too weary or devastated to seriously consider it. After their world was shattered and six million Jews killed during World War II, most were merely ready to rebuild their lives and start new families. And revenge was also against uh, was also against their Jewish morals and traditions. Um, even more, the whole concept of reprisal seemed pointless given the sheer scope of the genocide. But a group of some 50 most young men and women who had already fought in the resistance could not let the crimes go unpunished and actively sought to exact at least a small measure of revenge. The Nuremberg trials were prosecuting some top Nazis, but the Jewish people had no formal representative. There was a deep sense of justice denied as the vast majority of Nazis immersed themselves back into post-war Germany that was being rebuilt by the Americans' Marshall Plan. While there were some isolated acts of Jewish uh, Jews harming individual Nazis after the war, the group, codenamed Nakam, uh, which is Hebrew for vengeance, sought a more comprehensive form of punishment. Quote, we didn't understand why it shouldn't be paid back, said Hermats. Um, so the group set out with a simple mission, kill Germans. How many? Hamatz says flatly, as many as possible. So the first plan of action described by Hermats was audacious. Initiated by the resistance fighter and noted Israeli poet Abba Kovner, the idea was to poison the water supply of Nuremberg, a plot that could have potentially killed hundreds of thousands. But there were deep reservations even among the Avengers that such an operation would kill innocent Germans and undermine international support for the establishment of Israel. Also, on a side note, I just—it's kind of fun, like actually reading the word "the Avengers" in a real yeah. article. You yeah. Know what I mean? <laughs> Either way, when Kovner sailed from Europe with the poison, he drew suspicion from British authorities and was forced to toss it overboard before he was arrested. Following that setback, attention shifted towards Plan B, a more limited operation that specifically targeted the worst Nazi perpetrators. Undercover members of the group found work at a bakery that supplied the Stalag 13 POW camp at Langwasser near Nuremberg. 
and he waited for their chance to strike the thousands of SS men the Americans held there. Well, it came on April 13, 1946. Using poison procured from one of Kovner's associates, three members spent two hours coating some 3,000 loaves of bread with arsenic, divided into four portions. The goal was to kill 12,000 SS personnel, and Harmatz oversaw the operation from outside the bakery. While the mass death count of the first plan would have been disastrous for the Jewish people, the second's more direct route was easier to accept since its targets were the worst of the worst. Um, even if they were ultimately unsuccessful, she said uh, the Avengers act was seeped with symbolism and for a burgeoning state of Israel fighting for its survival in a hostile region. Under German regulations, uh, authorities in Nuremberg later investigated Harmatz and Lepke Distel, who worked undercover in the bakery uh, for months after they appeared in a 1999 television documentary and revealed details of their operation. So in 1999, these guys went on television, a documentary show and basically talked about what they did, what it was they did, how they did it. Because at the time, you know, the military found out that something was wrong, but they didn't know why and they didn't know how. So in 99, when these guys come up, the authorities in Nuremberg in 99 are like, we have to investigate this. That's part of their, you know, their, their regulations. Uh, here's the thing, though. Prosecutors in the uncomfortable position of having to investigate Holocaust survivors trying to kill Nazis eventually concluded that even though there was an attempted murder, they would not file charges because of, quote, extraordinary circumstances. According to previously classified files from the U.S. military's counterintelligence corps, uh, which investigated the incident and which the Nuremberg prosecutors did not have access to, the amount of arsenic uh, used should have been enough to cause a massive number of deaths, but they couldn't figure out why. It so this is actually from the memo in 1947 that investigators write that at the bakery they found three empty hot water bottles and a burlap bag containing four full hot water bottles. It was revealed that they contained enough arsenic mixed with glue and water to kill approximately 60,000 people. Um, laboratory investigators found that the arsenic on the bottom, top, and sides of the bread uh, would end up cr uh, creating symptoms within the SS men that would ex be exhibited similar to cholera, including vomiting, diarrhea, and skin rashes. The problem was is that, so I'm, I'm going to paraphrase this next piece. The problem was is that they just spread it too thin, basically. They took the yeah. arsenic and spread it too thin. They didn't give enough concentration. Um, after the attack, Harmatz, Distel, and others fled, uh, fled quickly. At the border of Czechoslovakia, they were met by Yehuda Maimon, an Auschwitz survivor from Poland who lost his parents in the camps. Um, he was responsible for smuggling the group out safely and bribing officials at the border. From there, they slipped into Italy before migrating back to Israel. And that's they did. They lived the rest of their lives basically in Israel up until their 90s. Um, and they would constantly... You know, this is one of the things that these Avengers kind of shared as a history amongst them. And a lot of their family knew what they did. You know, it was something that was kind of it was a proud thing among among the people. Um, but, you know, he in this article, they talk about from this retirement home outside of Tel Aviv, where his grandchildren frequently visit him. Ninety uh, two year old Maimon, the guy who helped to smuggle them over, um, looks back with satisfaction and says that he was carrying out a duty for revenge before starting a new life in Israel. He's quoted as saying it was imperative to form this group. If, if I am proud of something, it is that I belong to this group. Heaven forbid if after the war we had just gone back to the routine without thinking about paying those bastards back. It would have been awful not to respond to those animals. 
So that's the story of the Jewish Avengers. For me, the odd thing was um, I'd never heard of this. Like, I had yeah. never heard of this. Uh, you know, it's so funny what we are taught. And I know there's so many things that happen in history that you can't, you know, there's no way you could teach everything. But something like this, I feel like sh- should be taught in school the way they, they try to avenge, you know, the the genocide of their people. Yeah, it's also a, a like a, a gray line morally, right? Like it's it really is. I mean, it's it's really hard to tell somebody whose entire family was wiped out for no good reason at all that they shouldn't go around trying to murder people, right? Like it's getting revenge. Uh, that's where it gets really gray for me. Like I, I honestly couldn't understand, and I hope I never understand the that level of wanting vengeance. Um, but it, you know, at the same time, it, it's like, you know, you know, I think it's the kind of the thing with to compare it to another superhero, Batman, you know, like he, he could have killed the Joker multiple times, but he never does because if he does, then he's no better than the Joker is basically where it comes off. But then but there's always, the, there's always that argument too, right? There's the other side of it. The fact that he doesn't kill him off is Batman. Does he have the blood of the other right. deaths on right. his hands yeah. now does yes. does that make him kind yes. of uh, an accessory to those murders which is a fascinating conversation i think uh, but yeah it's i mean i'd obviously i'd i have not heard of this particular group but i did you know hear uh people hunting nazis down after the war for sure and of course a lot of them went, went on trial a lot of them uh, the United States kind of took over over here to kind of help us out with some uh, yeah. stuff. You know? Yeah, a lot of them got pardoned for those yeah. mass atrocities just because they helped us out with certain things. Yeah, yeah. So <sighs> there's a lot of morally gray stuff that definitely happened there. Uh, but that kind of happens with every war, too, the, yeah. uh, the fallout of every war. But, uh, man, it's, uh, you know, I couldn't imagine the level of hatred I would have for people if they'd done that to me. So I... It's yeah. kind of hard to tell them. It's kind of hard to tell them to chill, you know. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, and again, that's just a that's okay. That's that's just the AP article that's kind of looking back on it, right? As a whole. So there are again, like I said, there's the few documentaries out there, series that discuss this. There's a couple of books. Um, I would definitely urge listeners and people who are interested in history, people who are you know history world war ii history buffs that type of a thing uh, definitely look into this it opened my eyes in terms of I, like i never looked at that side of the war what happened after what it meant to rebuild and to think of that right like you said you can't really put yourself in their shoes we don't know what that feels like right so i also don't know what it would feel like to like deal with that and then just face the idea of just kind of okay let's just turn around and just go create life and not not say or do something you know what i mean I can't remember the name of it, but there's a really good documentary on Netflix uh, that's sort of about this. It's about one man, though, uh, who was uh, considered to be really, really awful at the concentration camps. And this one guy kept claiming that he wasn't him, but he was him, that kind of thing, going back and forth. And he was put on the trials, and it was a really big deal. But he was like, he was already an old man by the time he was put on trial. And he tried to come off like he was frail and in a, in a, in a wheelchair and all this kind of stuff uh, but there's but you definitely saw the anger from the jewish community rightfully so uh, over this man you know trying to gain sympathy for wow. people uh, it's a fascinating documentary i wish i could remember the name of it but it's really really good wow yeah it's uh, it's you know i think it, i think it being such an ugly 
part of of world history this is always going to be you know something that we talk about and i think we're always going to continue to find more and more in the future you know later on we'll find out things came out that we maybe never heard of and these kinds of stories of of people who did try to avenge but yeah the the jewish avengers this one this one i was just kind of like wow i had no clue about this piece of it um and and yeah it's it's crazy and then you could also look at the other odd side was that like unfortunately I, guess, I was gonna say unfortunately, but really, however you want to look at it, you know, they didn't succeed. So it was that that kind of like yeah. that's odd. That should have really taken out a few of those men, and not one of them did. I mean, even Steve Rogers punched Hitler in the face. You know? <laughs> there you go. There yeah. you go. So there you go. There we go. There is this episode of that's odd in the books. Uh, we very much appreciate you. We had another great month. Uh, we cannot, we cannot thank you all enough. You all are the you listeners are the sass to my squatch, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we honestly can't thank you all enough. I every time that I see how, and this is no bragging, honestly. It's really, it's going to come come off like that way, but it's not. But I'm just truly humbled by the number of people who listen to us. Uh, we trust me when I say. We appreciate all you creepers out there. It's very awesome. Uh, go check out our Patreon. Uh, there's exclusive audio there. Uh, there's new. There's brand new shows that you can only get through our Patreon, and it's not expensive at all. Chris, how much does it cost us to get exclusive audio from us? Exclusive audio is only three bucks, and you get two brand new episodes of a new series uh, each month, plus. At the very least, because I say at the very least, once in a while, I might throw in some extras just for fun. But at the very least, one clip, an outtake from, you know, right before we record, after record, whatever we do, whenever we have our little conversations. Um, The last one I posted there was Yumi and Carter, and it was literally 25 minutes long. So it's 25 minutes long (laughs) of us talking about a lot of the fun stuff we talk about uh, that's kind of not history creeps. Um, but we do. We have new series on there. We have, you know, Abnormal Times is back, and you can find it there. Actually, as a matter of fact, uh, a new episode will be going up to tomorrow, I believe. Um, we have Creeping on Cryptids there. Uh, there's a few other new shows that are in the works, and uh, yeah, it's going to be good times. And for all of you who said you would love to get a quote unquote history lesson from me, uh, that's a new show called Johnny Knows is going to be on there as well, where I kind of will pick a subject in history. And kind of talk about it. The first one will be George Washington, our the first president of the United States, uh, will be the subject of the first one. I try to sort of look in on the lesser known stuff or kind of focus on that, but I'll cover the overall yeah. things about him, just the fascinating stuff about George Washington. And I've heard it; it's extremely entertaining. I, I enjoyed it as myself. So uh, check it out: history uh, patreon dot com slash history creeps. Um, Again, if you can't, you know, you can't afford it. Again, we appreciate the fact that you guys support us and just listen to us. Oh, yeah. Uh, on on the, the best, free the best thing, One of the best stuff you can do is just listen to the show. Yeah. Uh, that Tell your friends. Helps, it helps us immensely. Very much so. Exactly. Well, you got, any, you got anything else, Chris, before we get out of the clubhouse? I'm done. I'm heading out of here. Yeah, Locking same here. We're going to go. Uh, thank you for listening. We very much appreciate it. You're the history to our creeps. For Christopher Chavez, I'm Johnny Townsend. Remember, as always, just stay. Wait for it. Not yet. Not yet. Almost. Odd.